This is Theorize Podcast with Danielle Castillejo and Maggie Hemphill. Conversations around faith, race, justice, gender, and healing. Friend, it's good to be with you today. It is. We haven't been just the two of us in a while. Yeah, probably not since uh, year-end is my guess, if I was to look back. (laughs) And I was looking through our season three wrap-up, and as we were dialoguing about it, it was even hard to decide like where to jump in. I know we just looked up our top 10 episodes and eight of the top 10 episodes came from season three. Yes, I agree. Like I was looking back last night at, at their conversations sort of in preparation for this conversation and just been marveling at the conversations we had this season. They felt relevant, they felt heavy, um, they felt Yeah, just like we were holding a lot of space for current collective trauma, as well as looking at some historical things. Um, I kind of just want to list like some of the things, topics we hit because it really is amazing. We talked about critical race theory, talked about deconstruction, talked about racial trauma, resiliency, solidarity, talked about spiritual abuse, grief and loss, mental health. Uh, We had a beautiful, a powerful collective lament and stories from January 6th on the one year anniversary. We talked about purity culture, um, decolonizing theology, racial violence, um, listening, which feels <laughs> feels like really needed. So I, yeah, I'm blown away at the conversations we had this season. Yeah. When you think about those conversations, like what for you like what resonates for you and what we've talked about to what you're working through even just for you today yeah that's a great question i think some of the things that stood out well for sure was around grief um we had a number of conversations around grief and i think as we hold collective spaces for what people are experiencing presently like racial violence gun violence um racism There's so much going on in church communities um, around spiritual abuse. So yeah, and deconstruction. I think think that was a repeated theme that I returned to and was really helpful to process on the podcast and with other people. So definitely the idea of embodied grief and what that looks like to do it together. Um, And probably the other one that that other conversations that really have sort of resonated, uh, we we actually had a number of different guests speak tangentially about deconstruction and decolonization um, of theology. And that has been really, I don't know, just relevant. It just feels like it applies to what's happening right now in myself, in my community, and what we're experiencing, you know, in the American church right now. So yeah, those were some of the the things that kind of stood out and really resonated just deeply within the things I was already experiencing. So how about for you? Like what, what stands out or what do you think back was really profound for you this last season? I think, uh, well, talking with uh, Dr. Randy Woodley and then speaking with Rebecca Wheeler Walston about critical race theory, I just recently and I'll get to January 6th in a moment, but just recently I was looking back at quotes from both of those podcasts and I was like, whoa, um, just to hear one of the ideas that Rebecca talked about was that we don't often think of the gospel or, um, I mean, we're talking about deconstruction, but I'm just talking about like Jesus in the Bible. We don't actually think of those things as like a collective story and a collective, mm. collective engagement of story when actually it is collective story is collective engagement and we've individualized it. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I've thought about, you know, what she had to say about that a lot. Um, and then Dr. Randy Woodley's comments on, you know, the Bible and indigenous practices. And then I guess it doesn't seem like a mistake that January 6th was our most downloaded podcast. And according to metrics, like, I think you're supposed to keep your podcast around like 12 minutes or 15 minutes for (laughs) most optimal downloadability or something. Right. But this podcast is like over like two hours. And I remember putting it together because people kept sending us like last minute clips. And I remember thinking, I remember even texting you, like, what do we do with this? And I'm like, ah, we got to put it in. Like, how do we exclude a voice in this commentary? And I remember even as I listened to it, listening over and over and over to the stories of how it felt, how people felt in their bodies to just see the our nation's capital stormed. And I don't think it's a mistake given the ongoing trial that's happening today, that that is something that's important to talk about and hear people, the personal impact to people. Yeah, no, I agree, especially with the with the um, trial being broadcast right now and it all coming up again. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not over in, in many respects. And yeah, that that you're right about that was an insanely long episode and yet just deeply powerful and moving. And there was something to kind of just like the shared, the shared space of grief. And I know that like, even if you go through and listen to the episode again, like not everybody had the same experience or not everybody felt the same way or not everybody even like tuned in, honestly, um, to the the play-by-play as it was happening. But um, everybody knows where they were. Everybody knows how it felt. Um, And I think there was something really profound to have done the uh, to think about the year anniversary in that format. So yeah, I agree. So good. Yeah, I know you said at the beginning, you said, well, this was a profound year. Well, we started like in 2019 and then hit our stride in 2020 in the midst of the pandemic. And it just feels like nothing has let up. I think I expected once the pandemic kind of lightened and I guess we can call this pandemic light or is it endemic now? I don't know. But uh, the trauma like literally doesn't seem to have slowed at all or cultural Mm -hmm. disruption. So, yeah, I love the question that you posed, you know, as we were thinking about this episode, why is it so hard to keep moving when life gets so thick with trauma? And maybe you don't have an answer, but would love to just hear your thoughts on what that experience is like for you or for your clients, like what what you're seeing right now. I just think there's ongoing rupture, whether it's interpersonally or collectively, and there hasn't been any space for repair. And so the ruptures, I think, get compounded and they get connected and twisted, at least for me. And then the question is, well, how do I like which thing do I address? Mm. Or which, which, like maybe you're thinking like you came into therapy and maybe you're thinking, well, I'm going to talk about this past trauma. And then oh shit, it's Roe v. Wade. And no matter what side you're on, it's still traumatic. 100%. If you're on the side of, well, this is what I prayed for. Well, you know, people don't agree with you. And in fact, it's very harmful and hurtful to them, your point of view. And if you're on the side of, well, this is against my rights, then it's hard to have people celebrating. So this is traumatic no matter what. Hmm. And so I think 
our country is in this constant state of disruption and I, I don't expect it to get easier. So I think timeouts or deep breathing or loud, noisy breathing is how I get through some days because you not only have to address the national impact, but you know, we have our own lives. I know you have kids. I have kids. There's things that happen at our schools. Like I imagine for you, you have your own experiences. So yes, there's the national and how does that infect if affect the personal and like, you know, how do you keep your, you know, I have a marriage, I'm in a partnership. So how do we work through that as well? So yeah, it's just like layer after layer. It does feel impossible to start. I like how you named that. Like, where do we even start with all of these like overlapping layers of things that are happening both individually, collectively, in our community, locally? Um, yeah, no, I agree. It does feel like a lot. And it, it, I don't, it says, it seems unhopeful to say, I also feel like it's not going to let up or at least not anytime soon. But um, I think that's probably why these conversations that we had this season have been so powerful, especially the, the ones that were collective spaces for, for grief and lament. And I guess I probably feel like this season really expanded some of my thinking around grief and around community, um, community experiences around lament. I don't, maybe I didn't even have a framework for it before. And so, yeah, just, just seeing how we're still in that present space, like in addition to the deep breathing and like putting yourself on a timeout, like what does it look like for us to engage um, ourselves in that shared space? And I know that for some people that's still really unsafe, just like you said about the Supreme Court rulings right now. And, you know, locally that impacted us because a case was seen at the Supreme Court that took place in Bremerton, our our county, um, and and it followed the same patterns of, of the conservative rulings right now of the Supreme Court. So, yeah, it's like that is a national thing that happened in our community and how that impacts us. And as we are continuing to watch January six trials unfold, and honestly, the continued violence and yeah. And I don't even know where I was going. I just am like feeling it all and wondering what it looks like to to live well in this space. What what does it look like for you? Do you have like what are you thinking through? What are you imagining for yourself, for your family? Yeah, that's a good question. For myself, I think it's it's having you know continued conversations like the kinds that we have um, on the podcast with with people that I trust and people that I want to learn from and. Um, and making making time and space for them because it would be really easy to just stay really busy and try to like dissociate and numb out right because it's a lot and it's too much and you, sometimes that's what it's like to read the the morning news like when i'm flipping through my my um newsletter that i get from the guardian and the seattle times or sorry the new york times i sometimes i'm like can i make it to the end of this newsletter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do i need to take a break and pick it up later yeah. um but yeah, actually, on my way to to meet you for this, my I was riding in the car with my son, and he said, "Mom, why did why did you and Danielle start this podcast?" And I was like, "Man, that's a great question." And and I just wanted to say, like, it was for this season. It was for this season. I mean, we have worked up, obviously, and worked through. Because when we look at when we started, yeah, we started right before COVID, and then we ended up just like that first season. We had like thirty seven episodes. Yeah. <laughs> season one um 
And I think that's how we were dealing with what was happening, right? We were going to have these conversations. So yeah, I just said like it was to have these conversations that are are not getting any airtime. It's it was a it was a we wanted to make space for it. And so when you asked me about like what does it look like to to be in my body right now or to be in what's happening collectively, I think it's making space, whether that's a small deep breath moment like you described or whether it's setting aside time for, you know, for these kind of conversations or even more more collective ones. Like it was a lot of work to reach out to all those folks to get that January 6th episode and for you to edit all that for two hours, two plus hours, that was just the episode, but you spent hours and hours listening to it. So like that felt so important. Um, and I, that, I guess the answer is that's why we did it was, mm -hmm. was for this, was for this collective conversation to continue. How about for you? No, it's interesting you say that, like it did take hours of editing and hours of texting, like, Yes, <laughs> hours of text messages. I wonder if we were to go back and look and say, how many text messages did, did we exchange over this period of time to get that episode out? Hundreds. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. And I would say that's the thing I'm most proud of that we did this season. Hmm. It felt like the most connecting and cathartic to hear people's grief and not to have to say it all myself. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, we each made a statement, right? Mm -hmm. And yet it was like, I remember fast forwarding, I would like listen to yours because it was at the beginning. And then mm -hmm. I would like fast forward and hear some of the other statements. And then the next time I would go through and I would listen to someone else's. Um, but yeah, that was like a moment of like, it felt very artistic in, in how it came together for us and also very purposeful. Hmm. And someone said like, oh man, you guys didn't get any money or get paid for that. And I was like, oh yeah, that's true. That's like a lot of hours. <laughs> um, but it like, it did feel like a gift to me or a hmm. gift to you and me, like that you gave that gift to me and that we gave it to each other and to ourselves first. So it wasn't just, we did this for the community. I, I'm speaking for me it was cathartic, I guess, mm -hmm. in the way you're talking about grief, a way for me to grieve myself. So mm. I guess that's, I think you're right. What you told your son is right. We did it for this type of thing. I imagine that as next year happens, I want to imagine hopeful spaces and I think we'll have them. Um, but I do imagine that there were, there are still many more conversations to be had. So absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I don't want to discredit our earlier seasons at all. I think they build on each other. Right. And so, and like, when I looked, even if I were to go back and look at our season one, we had really important conversations that were like, it felt like we were being journalists. Do you remember that? Yeah. We were having conversations right as things were happening. I remember talking to, I think you had a friend who was like an ER nurse or something and talking to her about what it was like in the medical field, right. As things were happening, it felt so real and raw and just like what was actually happening. So I think it builds up on each other. And what made the, especially the January 6th episode was like, that was a moment where we got to like pull the, the priest card where we're gonna remember together. We're gonna create a space where we're gonna remember what has happened and, and, and in some ways make meaning of it and some ways not make meaning of it because it seems senseless. Um, and so like it was holding both of those things and creating a space for that. Um, yeah, I agree. Very proud of that episode. And, and it, it did feel like a gift to us also it felt sacred to hold these stories, even before it was released out there. 
right? Mm -hmm. We got to hear them all and like listen to them. And I remember times where I would just have to wipe tears from my face while listening. Mm -hmm. Cause it was so powerful. Yeah. I mean, I guess we could like, it's not really switching gears than to ask if you want to tell folks what you're up to. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, really excited. I'm going to be stepping into grad school in the fall. And I think part of that journey to this moment to get to this moment um, has definitely been tied up with what I've been what we've been talking about and learning about um, on the podcast. Um, it's it, it's funny to think about for me, the journey to get to this moment really started in your first quarter at the Seattle School when you hand me a stack of books. You're like, this is what we read this quarter. You should read these. <laughs> and I just picked one off the top. And um, like it really just changed everything for me. Um, it was it was to be told by Dan Allender. And it just it changed the course of of where I was headed, the direction, what, what I felt like my purpose was or what I was meant to do on this earth. And, and since then, like through the podcast and through the three years I've been training at the Allender Center, um, yeah, I just really feel like this moment in history, this moment that we're living right now, for me requires additional equipping, right? To be helpful, not only for myself to like understand all the things that are happening for me and my family, but also like my faith, my community, my world. And so it's exciting like to finally get to this moment and to be just like we talked about setting aside space. I'm really excited to set aside space for this um, and to, yeah, study at the intersection of theology and psychology. So yeah, next season will look a little different. I mean, I can just say right now, like I probably will be less present on the podcast than ever. Um, but I do know that Danielle and, um, you know, guests and guest co-hosts will continue on like this good work that we've been doing that we started um, to having these conversations um, that are relevant and engaging and important. So yeah, that's what I'm up to. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy for you. And I like yesterday, I, I was like, well, as Maggie gets into her studies, if like, and I texted you this, like, you know, if you get this date, like, let me know day and time, like mm -hmm. I'm available. So, I mean, but grad school is this huge thing with kid, like there's kids in your life and there's you know husband and house and you know like there's a wild cat and so <laughs> there are just like reasons it might be difficult at times um but if you hear a co-host or co-hosts it doesn't mean that maggie's gone it, it may mean that this week it was wild cat week and grad school week <laughs> exactly don't be surprised <laughs> yeah so i mean um yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, that, yeah. I don't like the idea of you not being with us. So you will be with us. So yeah. as the schedule shifts and changes, if things open up, of course, like that's, that's, that's the hope that there's more space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and as I already said, like podcast journey with you and even through the season that we've been doing it together, um, has been really profound and life changing and important. And like, this is such good work that I love it. And I don't, I'm not giving it up or whatever. If people don't hear me on a, on an episode or two or whatever, or three or four, like, it's not that this work isn't still super important to me. Um, so like, I just want to say like to the listeners and, and the people out there, like, thank you so much for, for being a part and of journeying 
that journey with me. Like I feel honored to have done this together and like, I'm not done yet. No. And just so you know, like if there's a co-host likely, definitely Maggie has approved that. (laughs) (laughs) I have to hold back. I send Maggie a lot of ideas and then Maggie's like, wait a minute, are we doing that? I was like, well, we didn't decide it, but like, so (laughs) nothing is moving. Like, yeah, we're deciding those things together. Yeah. Um, I also want to have space here to talk about the fun things you're going to be doing this fall. Talk about your groups and what you're moving into and what are the things that you're hoping for? Yeah, I'm still in the Allender Center and impact movement training for this cohort of uh, persons of color. And so training folks like with the Allender Center methodology, along with impacts, um, cultural and racial training to work with participants of color. And the goal is like not to keep the knowledge and the info here. It's to like send it out because as you know, um, Maggie and I aren't gonna, we might talk about Uvalde. We might talk about Buffalo. We might talk about Roe v. Wade across the nation, but we're not there. So Mm -hmm. I think part of the podcast or part of this work is to train others or be with others in healing spaces so they can go be in their spaces. Mm-hmm. But not to keep it. Um, another thing I'm doing is I'm with uh, Art of Living Counseling Center in Chicago, and I'm participating in a training. And if anybody's interested, we have a few spaces left for folks that are white and for folks that identify as uh, Black, Indigenous, and people of color, Latinx, Asian, um, Indigenous folks. Um, and there's scholarships available. And also, if you want to fund or participate in giving towards a scholarship, you can. So we want to be able to give a number of scholarships to people that are under-resourced. And so if you find yourself with extra funds, it's going directly to them. It's not like staying in any of our pockets. So um, that's one thing. And then Kaylee and I, like we started doing groups during the pandemic a lot like Maggie and I started doing the podcast. And we're back on it in the fall. So there'll be info at the end, but just kind of trying to do more healing things collectively. As you can see, it's not that I'm not doing individual therapy. I am. And I love that. But I do really value working with um, Jenny McGrath or Abby Wong Hefter, like, or Jen Murphy. You know, she's been on the podcast with us. Uh, Just working with others and seeing seeing how we can work together and Maggie, you work with Vanessa, right? Yeah, Vanessa Sadler, we, we've done a story group together. And then I'll also be hosting a story group for white folks that want to engage their, um, you know, their cultural identity work. Uh, that will be in the fall as well. So yeah, still, still wanting to be a part of that. I like how you call it collective healing spaces. That's like exactly it. I love that term. And so yeah, no, I love I love what you're doing with with others. And I love that the collaboration piece, that's what I was going to say. It's like collective healing and it's also collaboration. And both those things feel really good in this season where, you know, with ongoing trauma, like fragmentation and isolation, all those things can cut down someone. And so like having those collective healing spaces and collaborating with other people feels really healing. Yeah. It feels a good movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I encourage you, like if you haven't checked out a group with Maggie or Maggie and Vanessa or who's your colleague you're doing the group on whiteness with. Yeah. Addie mummy. Addie mummy. Yeah. Like I really encourage you to check into our notes, get the link to contact us, even if the group info is not officially on there. 
and reach out and see what we're up to, or we'll have resources to other trainings too. Hopefully, like I want to put in the notes, like the mental health care crisis line. Yeah. I just know that this is a time when people feel desperate mm -hmm. and not everyone has access to everything. So mm. that's a good word. Well, we'll definitely get some links and put those in the show notes for, for folks. Yeah. Maggie, I can't believe uh, we've been through another season, three seasons. I know. It's pretty wild. <laughs> I still remember where we were when you had this idea. I'm just going to say this story for everybody. Yeah. I was sitting in my car that uh, I had pulled over at Central Market, a grocery store in our neighborhood that we both love. And you were telling me this idea. And I was like, I remember very clearly sitting in the parking lot being like, yeah, that's, that sounds awesome. Let's just do it. And we had no idea. I mean, I feel like now and this is how all those things go. Awesome idea. And then we had all this time to figure out the details. But anyway, I just love that. I can picture it in my mind perfectly. <laughs> I remember when we actually thought we needed like professional podcast equipment and we probably did, but then the pandemic and then there was <laughs> and then we're just doing it over Zoom now. Oh, uh, gosh. Hey, learning curve. OK, so what are you reading? What are you listening to and who or what's inspiring you? Yes. Okay. So I just finished last night um, a memoir called Everything Sad is Untrue uh, by Daniel uh, Nayiri. It's his um, a memoir about his experience as a, a Persian refugee and what it was like to be like in Kansas as, you know, someone of Iranian descent. And it was like whimsical storytelling that was told like through the the lens of, of Persian mythology and legends. But and, and it was humorous and funny the way he writes it, but it was also just so heartbreaking. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Highly recommend it. Um, so I started Jesus and the Disinherited by Howard Thurman and like I'm literally only 10 pages in. I'm already like, man, this is like swimming in caramel. It's so good and so rich, but you got to go slow because it, it's like so good. I'll just say. The, the, the book is the premise is, is like, why is it that Christianity seems impotent to deal with like what's happening, the real issues of discrimination and injustice based on race and religion and national origin. I'm already like so excited about it. Um, I'm also reading this summer, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, just kind of wanting to get um, get my creative juices flowing as I'm about to head into grad school. I consider myself a writer, but not like I'm going to write a novel or anything, but just like I write, uh, whether that be poems or whatever. And so, yeah, I've been doing that. It's a, kind of a 12 week journey, but really enjoying that as well. OK, what am I listening to? Um, I am listening to Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart audiobook. I love it when authors read their work and actually the everything sad is untrue is also read by the author. So good. So I love that. But truly, when I'm by myself, which is very rare in the summer, <laughs> I just want silence. And I, the other day or this last week, I drove in just with the windows down, had nothing on the radio. And I just like, it was silent. I was by myself in the car, which felt very, it felt like a mini vacation. And so, yeah, just listening to nothing also felt really good. So, and then what's inspiring me? Yeah, I've been really inspired by flowers. My sister-in-law has decided to start a flower farm. And like that just sounds like a lot of work and I like bless her green thumb because I have a brown thumb and I kill plants, but seeing the like the fruit of her labor like seeing the the seed come to fruition the especially on peonies and 
old-fashioned roses that have all of the little um like wrinkly leaves it just it has been filling my soul and just especially coming out of a really long winter in the northwest where it felt like we skipped summer or spring and and summer is just now starting it's the end of june so that felt really good to to have those flower beautiful flower reminders that spring does come whether it's late or not <laughs> but Danielle, uh, what are you reading? What are you listening to? What's inspiring you right now? I, I'm reading What My Bones Know by Stephanie Foot. And I just started this and I had my friends had sent me some screenshots. So of like pages in here, but I won't read those to you. But that's what I'm reading. And then this other book called Racist States of Mind. Um, and it's about like uh, the psychology and object relations of racism and how it works out in people. So if you're interested in that. Um, what am I listening to? A lot of like 90s rap and <laughs> mixed in with sometimes a podcast here and there, sometimes but nothing specific. It's just if someone sends me a recommendation. So if someone were to email me or text me a recommendation, I'd listen to that. <laughs> nothing consistently, just mostly <laughs> 90s rap. And then uh, I actually do really enjoy silence. Yeah. And 710. I like to listen to the sports news about the Seahawks. <laughs> I'm intrigued if the Seahawks are going to get Baker Mayfield or some other trade for another quarterback. I'm intrigued by that. So <laughs> who or what's inspiring me? I think my kids are inspiring me and my, yeah, mostly my kids right now. Sorry, the wind picked up. And then um, I think just the everyday people I see around like grocery store workers that I've seen through the pandemic like never quit and still be there. I'm inspired by them or baristas mm. I've seen since like 2018 at the same place. And they keep smiling and keep serving people. Like that's inspiring to me. Mm, fact, that's so good. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah that's a well, friend. Yeah. There it is, season there it three. Is. We'll catch up with you later.